There's only one authority on the Tennessee Titans, and that's the Tennessean. And there's only one show that's an authority, too, and you've found it. This is Talkin' Titans. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Talkin' Titans. It is Minnesota Vikings week. I am sports columnist Gentry Estes alongside Titans beat writer. Eric Backrack. What's up, Gentry? I'm doing well this week. Uh, Titans are 2-0. Uh, maybe a little fortunate to be 2-0, but uh, the record is what it is. So we're going to be previewing the Week 3 game in Minnesota against the Vikings. And we're really going to be asking, how alarmed should you be by the defensive performance against the Jaguars? Giving up 480 yards. Minshew had a day. There was a 100-yard rusher. Uh, won the game, but uh, the defense was a little shaky. So we're going to delve into that. We're also going to have our predictions for this week's game. And um, I guess, Eric, as we get started here, kind of the topic of the week is the defense. What, would, what did you make out of what happened on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, you know, Gentry, it's, it's a loaded question because I, I think, you know, there's, there's factors in play that I think can be improved upon. I think for me, honestly, the, the biggest thing is still just the fact that you've got Howard Landry and Jadavion Clowney out there for, for way too many snaps. You know, earlier this offseason, Shane Bowen kind of came out, and I think it was largely unprompted. All, you know, he, he was asked about Howard Landry's dip in production toward the end of last season. You know, and he came out and said that, you know, a lot of it, he thought, felt on Landry's workload earlier in the year and, and just, you know, sort of the toll that took as the season progressed. And by season's end, you know, he said he was pretty much tired, fatigued, and he has to do a better job, um, you know, as the position coach, as I guess the de facto defensive coordinator, what do you ever want to call Shane Bowen to, to do things to, to sort of mitigate, um, you know, just how big that workload is. So I, I think that that's a big part of it. Just the fact that you've got three outside linebackers, one who only played 12 snaps in Kamala Correa, you know, who were running around kind of, getting tired by the end of the game. I think, I think that's a big part of it. I am really concerned with the run defense because, you know, this week they're going to face Dalvin cook, you know, who's a pro bowl running back. Uh, last week, they got run over by an undrafted rookie in, in James Robinson. So, you know, that, that to me is, is a big concern. It's going to be interesting to see how they clean that up. But I, I think any way you slice it last week, it, it's, it's not, you know, it's hard to be encouraged by what you saw from the defense to me, again, there's just silver linings on the horizon when you think about Adoree Jackson coming back. Uh, potentially, he won't be back this week, but but in the future, that's your top corner. And then we'll see if Vic Beasley, Derek Roberson are able to go this week. Yeah, I guess it feels like we're focusing on on the negative a little bit here. We got to you know glossing over Ryan Tannehill's four touchdown game and the sure. fact that the offense has done pretty well. But I, I have been asked by quite a few readers um, since Sunday about the defense and, and kind of trying to make sense of really what's going on there. You know, I, Eric, I went back and watched the game and I'll be honest, I'm not as alarmed now as I was when it happened Sunday. And the reason is it's because the Jags were good. The Jags are a lot better than people think they are. And, and in particular quarterback, I, I've been skeptical of Gardner Minshew now, partly because of you know, all the hype and the social media buzz, but the guy really Mustache. can't play. Yeah, he can. And, and, you know, you see how the Colts defense played really, really well against the Vikings. Minshew went 19 of 20 against them. And you saw against the Titans how he was able to do that. They have a very good system for him where he's getting rid of the ball very quickly and he's doing it with these short timing routes. He's very, very accurate. 
and it is very hard to stop. The, the Titans never adjusted to it, really. Mm-hmm. The only way they were really able to stop what Minshew wanted to do was, was with the pass rush, by making him think about it and go off script a little bit. Uh, there was one play late in the game. They didn't block Jadavion Clowney. It was, a right. big thir- it was a big third down with the game tied. He was able to force a bad throw from Minshew. It was one of the few bad throws, you know, other than the, you know, the interception early. And, and, and I mean, he wasn't perfect, but it was one of the few bad throws at, 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 a, at a critical moment that Minshew had. To me, that was the play of the game uh, because it was one of the few times that the Titans' defense was able to affect him in a way that they just really weren't. And a lot of that, to me, was more what the Jags were doing than what the Titans weren't doing because their offense was really well set up for him. These little quick throws, he knows where he's going before the play starts. That's very difficult to stop when a guy is as polished as he is to be a second-year player. He's accurate. I mean, Baker Mayfield is jealous of the accuracy this guy's showing right now. Yeah, and, and I think you know, I think a big part of, of disrupting that at all, and again, it's, it's so hard when he's got such a quick release, is uh, causing pressure, getting to the quarterback. And, and to me, again, that goes back to um, you know, some of the issues I've, I've talked about with workload and you know, the outside linebackers, they, they just don't have a lot of depth there right now to, you know, keep guys fresh and, and, you know, keep them coming after the quarterback. One other thing I'll say <clears throat> about the defense gentry is that, you know, we, we talk so much about continuity on offense and how valuable it was for the Titans, especially in this season to have 10 of 11 guys returning on offense. Uh, you know, I think the same philosophy, uh, you know, can be applied to a defense and, you know, I think in, in that regard, the Titans, with so many new faces and so many faces lost, so many veterans lost from last year, I think it's going to take some time. I think when you've got Christian Fulton, Chris Jackson, a pair of rookies, you know, out there trying to get caught up to speed, you know, Jeffrey Simmons, the second-year player, there, there's no Logan Ryan, Jarrell Casey, guys that have been in the system for a while. And so I think, you know, it, it's going to take some time. I, I think that in combination with some of the guys that they're missing that, you know, is affecting their depth and, uh, you know, as a result affecting sort of the starters workload uh, workloads and, um, you know, just how, how, how they're holding up at the end of games. I think all of that is kind of this perfect storm, um, you know, that's kind of led to, to where they are, the Titans are defensively right now. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, that's a really good point about the, the pass rushers right now. They, they, with the injuries there, they're Clowney and Harold Landry both are playing way too many snaps. Yeah. I don't know why Correa wasn't used more than than he was in this game. That's puzzling to me. That's a guy you you re-signed to be, you know, a contributor on defense. Instead, you're leaving Clowney out there. I I think Clowney's getting a bit of a bad rap so far. This guy's only been on the team for a couple of weeks. He has made an impact at times, Mm -hmm. you you know, but with the hype and everything that went into that, look, there, there's, there's no, that guy couldn't have lived up to some of the expectations he had coming in here on a, on a short game week like that. I mean, and, and he's going to be an impactful player, but he's on the field too long right now. And, and I think you, you look around that defense and there are reasons to be optimistic in terms of specific players. I think Jeffrey Simmons has been very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I wrote this, uh, elite defensive linemen not only are consistently impactful, but they do one or two. There, there's always a couple of things they do every game that help decide a game that they are able to make those kind of plays. Simmons has done that now in both games. He had a big fourth down stop in Denver, and then he tips that ball that Landry picks off. Those are both massive plays, and they're the kind of plays that when you have the guy making them, it can separate a playoff team from a team that barely misses it. 
And, and I, I think Simmons is a, is a really – it's been really encouraging because you kind of expected that breakout from him, and he's starting to show signs that he's going to be able to do it. Cornerback is a, is a concern uh, just because you're really young there, and I think they do miss Adore Jackson quite a bit. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I think individually there's there's a lot to like. Like I think Harold Landry has has played pretty well. I think Kenny Vaccaro, you know, he had eleven tackles. A lot of that was because, you know, running backs were getting into the secondary against the Titans defense. But I, I think individually there's there is a lot to like. It's kind of just about putting everything together. And and to me, you know, I think I sound like a broken record, but it goes back to getting some guys healthy so that you have the depth where uh, your starters aren't totally gassed at the end of the game. One question, and, and I've been pretty critical of this now for a while, but how much of this do you think is the whole transition from Dean Pease to, to well, we don't know who because it's, it's, a, it's a well-kept, very well-guarded secret who's actually calling the plays for the Titans defense right now. Uh, a needlessly complex situation is, is I think, I, uh, how I've referred to it, and I still believe that to be the case. I, I I felt like the Titans didn't do enough to replace Dean Pease just by Mike Vrabel saying, oh, I'll do it, and Shane Bowen will do it when I'm not there. Do you, do you think that's an issue? What do you make of that? It, it's, it's hard to tell. I mean, I don't think if, you know, let's say they, they brought in somebody to, you know, to directly replace Dean Pease. I don't, I don't know if that solves all the problems. I think it affects, you know, things like, uh, tendencies when it comes to, to how often they're blitzing, when they're blitzing, that type of thing. But, you know, it's the same personnel and it, philosophically it would have been very similar just because, you know, it is a Mike Rabel defense. I, it, it's hard for me to say how much of an impact that has. I, I, to me, I don't put the blame on that more than some of the other issues we've talked about, certainly. Yeah, I would say that I, I think the injuries certainly in Adori and, and the pass rusher have been the the deal, and I, and I think, you know, the, we're, we're going to see this play out over the next few weeks. I'd like a little bit more of a sample size than what we got. The defense wasn't terrible in Denver, and I think that ran up against a surprisingly good offense in Jacksonville. Now as you turn to Minnesota, you mentioned Alvin Cook. You know, he's going to be a handful. They're going to get a ticked-off Vikings team on, on Sunday, in my opinion. They're, they're, this is a team that is, is on the cusp of starting 0-3, and they're better than that. They, they have been better than that for a while now, and I think the odds – this is just me. I think the odds are going to catch up on the road with the Titans this way. I think the Titans have been fortunate to win the games the way they have the last couple of weeks, and I think they're playing a team that's going to be good enough to, to beat them when the first two they played were not. So I picked the Vikings. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think, Gentry, that – you know, no fans again is big on the road in a place like Minnesota. I think that that's a factor, but I do a preview each week of, of the game. And I, I gave the Vikings the intangible category because of something you just mentioned. And that's the desperation factor. Uh, I was looking it up last night, actually only, I think it's six teams since 1980 have started 0 and three and gone on to make the playoffs. So, you know, the Vikings, uh, very much have, have their backs against the wall in this one. It's a game they need to have, even though it's not a conference game. And I mean, I, I agree. I, you know, I think looking at their roster, I think it's it's better than certainly some of, of the stats that they've put up so far as far as, you know, rankings right now, Gentry, they're ranked 29th in both yards allowed and yards of offense, which is, 
you know, a recipe for 0 and 16, honestly. So, um, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers gets a lot of the blame for that. Sure. You know, they've had a couple of tough games. You know, I I think the past game against the Colts was, you know, it's, it's hard to see Kirk cousins playing that, that poorly. Uh, I think he had like a 15 pass rating at three picks just did not look, you know, anything like he has in the past. Uh, and that that's trickled down to, to Dalvin cook cooks numbers. You know, it's, it's the, the offense right now for the Vikings is, is in a total tailspin. So to me, it, it feels like a potential get right game for, for the Titans, you know, at, at, at no point through the first two weeks, can we say that they've had, you know, a well-rounded performance, you know, neither game has been complimentary football. They're trying to do that here in week three. I, I think it's going to be tough because of, of, like I said, the desperation factor, but I, I do think, you know, the Titans match up well against them. And I think they are capable, well capable of, of taking care of business in all three phases. Would be a huge win for the Titans to, to yeah. get to 3-0 and here. I, I think after how the first two weeks have gone, this is going to be a very telling game, especially when you look at, well, you, you've got the Colts and the Titans now who are going to have played similar a similar schedule to this point. So you look at it and say, well, the Titans beat the Jags and the Colts couldn't, so why can't they beat the Vikings after how well Indy played against Minnesota? But not sure what to make of the Colts. I think they're uh, defensively very good. I think their offensive line is very good. I have no idea how they lost to Jacksonville, but maybe a little bit better idea, having seen the Jags in person. They're not terrible. They're not tanking for Trevor Lawrence, and to be honest, they may not need Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) They've got a pretty good quarterback. All right, well, that will do it for this edition of Talking Titans. We hope you'll subscribe to Tennessean.com if you haven't already. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever it is you get your podcasts, and drop us a review and a rating while you're at it. For Eric Bacharach, I'm Gentry Estes. Thanks for listening. Talkin' Titans hosts each Thursday at Tennessean.com. You can also subscribe to Talkin' Titans for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. Talkin' Titans is a production of the Tennessean.